So what is a king? Well, a king is a sovereign head of state, officially outranking all other individuals in the realm. A king may exercise the most and highest authority in the state. So this means a king is truly the boss in his territory. Um, And of course, his territory, his realm is known as his kingdom. You know, the king is in charge of the kingdom. And within the kingdom, nobody, he answers to nobody. And of course, this is especially true of the king who outranks all other kings. We have uh, today, we're celebrating the, uh, it's quite a long title. Well, actually, it's the vigil of the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. So, Jesus is King of the Universe. And our readings today remind us of two of the duties that kings have. First, they care for the well-being of the people in their kingdom, their subjects. They provide for their needs. And it's fitting, then, that kings have sometimes been described as or compared to shepherds who do just that for their sheep, care for them. So a king cares for his flock by seeking out the lost, helping the sick, defending those who would attack the sheep, uh, the residents of his kingdom, and so on. And we can think of, when we look at history, some earthly kings did this well. But, of course, others took advantage of their subjects, of the sheep. But the great thing about Jesus Christ is that He's the perfect king, the perfect shepherd. If we follow him, he will provide for us no matter what the situation we find ourselves in. You know, if we go astray, he will pursue us to bring us home. We can trust that he is the good shepherd and king who always has our best interests at heart. We know that this king loves each and every one of us because, well... He was willing to do even that, the cross, for us. We can trust, as our psalm said so beautifully, he guides me in right paths. God guides us, as our king, our shepherd, down right paths by giving us commandments to obey, right? If you break them, you're going off the path to happiness. And also by giving us a church to guide us. He wants nothing more than for us to follow him. But of course, he respects our free will. He loves us enough to let us choose. And we often choose to wander off. Even though the Lord never stops inviting us back into his flock, we can refuse to return. This means, of course, that we often choose to disobey the Lord's command and take our own path to remain in sin. And that leads me to the second duty of kings. First one was, of course, to care for their subjects. The second is to be the supreme judge in their kingdom. So within a kingdom, the supreme judge in any dispute is the king. And we know this. Kings would at times sit in judgment on their thrones so that people could come or be brought before them to settle their disputes. The king would hear out the various parties involved. He would judge the case 
and then dispense rewards and punishments. We see that in Scripture, at least one example of it, where uh, the mother, there was a mother who claimed that a woman had taken her child, but the child claimed, or the mother, excuse me, the other woman said the child was hers. They were both claiming this child. And the dispute was brought before King Solomon, who famously and with great wisdom settled the dispute. Jesus Christ, king of the universe, takes on this role in his kingdom as well. As the gospel today said, when the Son of Man comes in glory, he will sit upon his glorious throne, and all the nations will be assembled before him, and he will separate them. The sheep, the righteous ones who obeyed his great commandment to love him with everything we have and to love our neighbors, even and especially the lowliest, will hear him say, Come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. But the others, those who did not heed his commandments to serve God and neighbor, will hear those terrible words, Depart from me, you accursed, into the eternal fire, fires of hell. Those are two such jud- there are two judgments that we understand will occur. The first is the particular judgment in which each of us, immediately after our death, will stand before God and be judged individually. And then we will enter heaven, purgatory, or hell. And I imagine this... Is, a rather terrifying moment. It might be something like being called to the principal's office or being dragged down to the police station or the courtroom. And I imagine this to be an anxious situation to be in. You stand there before the one who will judge you and then dispense judgment, punishment, or reward. Except in the case of our particular judgment, this judge, Jesus, is perfectly fair. He knows absolutely all of the facts. And it's a moment of perfect honesty and clarity for everyone. I know I've shared this story before, but it's a pretty amazing story. It's the the case of Father Stephen Shire. In 1985, he was in an accident that nearly killed him. He was a Catholic priest, of course. And he had a near-death experience, so in the end, he did survive. But in this experience... He found himself before the judgment seat of Christ. And our Lord went through his whole life with him, showed him that he had unconfessed mortal sins since the committed, since his last confession. He's being lazy about rectifying that situation. He knew this. Although he was a priest, he practically had no prayer life at that time. And Jesus said to Father Shire, your sentence is eternal hell. And Father Shire simply answered, Yes, Lord, I know. See, there's no arguments, there's no appeals. This is the Supreme Court. Father Shire agreed with the Lord's judgment because he knew how he'd been living his life. There was no more rationalizing his sins, no more being lazy about seeking forgiveness when you're standing there in the presence of truth himself. He said that the Lord was merely honoring his choice. But as the story goes, Mary interceded for him and he was given another chance, partly so that we, who hear his story, would be reminded that judgment awaits us.
When we stand before this judge who has all the facts and who's perfectly fair, we can't help but agree with the sentence. And the fact is that we will all face this judge when we die, and we will be sentenced to, we hope, purgatory or heaven, but we can also choose hell. So that's a description of our individual particular judgment. But this gospel passage today is really, it's a description for us of the second coming of Christ. When we, what happens when the general judgment occurs is what we, we call this. This happens at the end of time. That, that is when everyone will rise from the dead and assemble before God's glorious throne and then our relationships with him will be made public. All our sins, all our acts of charity, in short, everything will be made known to everyone. And the saints will, with their glorified bodies, enjoy what is mysteriously described as a new heavens and a new earth. The damned, those in hell, they will get their bodies back too, but remain in the torments of hell. They have definitively chosen to reject heaven. Jesus Christ, King of the universe, he's a king like no other. He loves and cares for every single one of his subjects perfectly and completely. And he wants every one of us in eternity with him in heaven. And he gives us every chance to accept that invitation during this life, every chance to reject our sin and to repent as long as we live. As king of the universe, though, Jesus is also a judge like no other. He's more fair than any judge here on earth, than any who has ever lived or ever will live. And he is the one who will judge every one of us when we die, and at the end of time when he comes again. We know this judge and king cares for us, and he loves us deeply, so let's try to return the favor by living in obedience to his commandments of God and love neighbor, and by seeking out his mercy, especially in confession, whenever we need it, so that in the end we might be judged worthy of heaven. Amen.